0: Welcome to Season 2.5, Episode 6 of Babble. My name is Raul. I'm Cody. And like I said, we're Psychobabble. What's up, Cody?
1: Yeah, we are coming <laughs> to you guys from our new and improved studio here at KZUM Lincoln, KZUM HD. Um, if you haven't listened to our Episode 5 on Origin Stories, where we go into a little bit of our new podcast partnership, definitely give that a listen.
0: Yeah, you can find us now on their website. It's kzum.org slash psychobabble. Yes. And if you happen to be in Lincoln, actually, you can't listen to it on Lincoln, but you should still check them out. It's 89.3 FM, I believe.
1: It is, yeah. Yeah, and so we are starting a new thing. Um, Like we talked about in the last episode, we want to make sure we're highlighting our community and the awesome work and research that's being done here. So it makes sense that now that we've made the bridge to season 2.5 that we start with a a spotlight series with someone who has probably, maybe besides Wife of the Show, been name-dropped the most across the history of our podcast.
0: We should probably check those metrics. Yeah. We'll talk to the stats person about that. Yeah. Do we have one?
1: Um, Yeah, I don't think so. We've got the legal team, but we don't have a stats team. Yeah,
0: we're still working on that. Uh,
1: But joining us today, which we are very excited about, is... Friend of the show, advisor of the show, academic mom of the, academic show. Mom of the show, Dr. <laughs> Susan Swearer. So I'll give you a little bit of an introduction and then uh, we can fill in the blanks from there. Yeah. So if you've listened to our show since the beginning, you would know that Dr. Susan Swearer is both um, of our academic advisors at the University of Nebraska. Uh, she is a, I think I'm gonna get this right, the Willa Cather Professor of School Psychology. Is that correct? Sure. Yeah. Educational psychology. Educational psychology is close. <laughs> um, she also is a co-director of the Bully Research Network and the Nebraska Bullying Prevention and Intervention Initiative, which is something that is very close to both of us because we are part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then outside of that, she's you know written books. Like she is the the expert when it comes to uh, bullying and youth mental health. Yeah, So yep. we're starting today with Dr. Susan Swear. Welcome to the show.
2: Well, thank you. I'm super excited to be here.
0: I want to say something real fast, and I think it's really funny for our listeners to know that because we're very close. Our school psychology department's very close, um, and there's this great camaraderie between the professors and the students and even just our department in general. But when we first thought about, oh, we should have somebody on, we always wanted Sue to be the first yeah. one.
1: It's been it's been oh. talked about for like a year,
0: but there was one point where there was a chance where Dr. Scott Napolitano could have come mm. on the show, and for those who don't know, that happens to be Sue's husband, Dr. Sue. I was just gonna go. We go by first name, so you know, formalities are gonna be thrown out the window from now on. <laughs> so we wanted Scott to be on the show because like, oh, we could probably do this, and then Sue's like, no way, I'm coming on yeah. first. So she put that to bed real fast. So I I think it was probably.
1: Maybe second week of my first year when I realized that you both were married. <laughs> you didn't know that. <laughs> I had no idea. I I think once I saw like your email address and I was like, uh oh, two Napolitanos like that. <laughs> what are the chances of that? And you then know. and then someone told me, but
0: but, it's regra- you, but. yeah, yeah.
1: There's
2: no way he was gonna be on no, that for me. No, no way. So
0: if you're listening to Scott, <laughs> yeah, you didn't stand a chance. This is students where. But all getting aside and joking aside, we're super excited to have yes. you on as our first really live kind of KZUN podcast with mm-hmm. a professor. So. Yeah, 2.5. 2.5, that's crazy. I mean, you've kind of seen everything happen from the beginning, mm-hmm. our origin story. But um, today I was kind of hoping that we could talk about kind of your origin story, kind of how did this come to be? Where I mean, you were such a big name in the field. And your CV is so extensive, Curriculum Vita, for those who are not familiar with. It's kind of like a resume, but for academia. And a resume, you want to keep it short, maybe two pages, maybe one. A CV that I put everything on there. Mm-hmm. So these things are extensive and are maybe, I don't know, 40, 50 pages long of everything you've done. And yours is impressive. So my first question that I kind of want to ask you was, how did you end up studying bullying? I think I know this answer, but I mean, for everyone out there. We do our, know some of these answers. Yeah, but... Yeah, so we're going to kind of play a little dumb today but um, for all our babblers who don't know you I think it's a really cool story
2: yeah it is a cool story so I was hired by the University of Nebraska Lincoln in 1997 and my dissertation research so I got my PhD at the University of Texas at Austin and my dissertation research was on the comorbidity of depression and conduct disorder in adolescence so when I got here I was teaching developmental psychopathology and there was a school counselor in my class, and she said, "We have a big problem with bullying in our school. Can you help us?" And I said, "Sure." So <laughs> very, very simple. Um, so I thought, well, you know, I study conduct disorder, and one symptom of conduct disorder is, you know, often bullies threatens or intimidates others. So I felt like I had some some knowledge, and so I started. A small, you know, research project, and then you know, nineteen ninety nine Columbine happened, and yeah. so that was kind of that kind of shaped the course of my career.
0: Mm-hmm. And look at you now,
2: yeah.
1: yeah. And now it's it's grown into quite a, a sizable research project. Um, I think, you know, I, for me coming into the university, I think it's just really cool to see that, like, the one of the experts in this area is here at Nebraska and I think that is something that was really surprising to me when I I like was looking at grad programs is like there are people here in Lincoln at UNL that are doing amazing amazing work and have collaborated with amazing organizations like Born This Way Foundation which we'll we'll get to in a little bit but um, I think it it's really exciting for us to be able to talk about this. Yeah, well things. I mean I actually
0: yeah. now that we're talking to I was thinking about Sue's past summer and how much she's traveled for speeches all over the world. So, words some place. You went oh, to. Oh no!
2: It was uh, Chile, mm-hmm. um, Dublin, Ireland.
0: Dublin, Ireland. That it, was for the.
2: That was for the World Anti-Bullying Forum, mm-hmm. which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York, um, you know, which is the U.S., but still, yeah, you but know, just yeah. traveling. And cool. Then you,
0: you did that thing with Pinterest recently.
2: I went out to San Francisco and spoke yeah. at Pinterest. Uh, then I was in Australia. And then I did go to Italy, but that was just vacation. That was just family yeah. time. Yeah. It's that vacation from vacation. No, it's
0: vacation from all the hard work <laughs> yeah. of traveling. I can't imagine Actually, to... it was a lot. It was yeah. it was a lot of traveling. <laughs> the jet lag. I'm now
2: Silver Medallion on Delta. Hey, hey. Mm-hmm. There you go. I can upgrade to first class whenever you want. Yeah. Well, there's never any availability. <laughs> so but if there just, was, yeah. If it if it was available, I'd get it. Yeah. So, yeah, I was,
1: I was. If I was better at Photoshop, I had a, a thought when you were doing all the traveling that I would make, like a, a "Where in the World is Carmen San Diego?" But oh. then just like crop your face into it. Just from all the traveling, like I am just very impressed that you've been able to do all of that.
2: Yeah, it was it was a lot of travel, yeah. but it was super fascinating. Chile was incredible too. I mean, this conference. Um, you know, it was simulcast in uh, English and Spanish. So it was amazing, you had, I felt like I was at the UN. You know, you had the headset and, you know, I'd speak and then it would be instantaneously translated into Spanish. Oh,
0: that's crazy. Okay. Um, one thing you mentioned is that you kind of got started doing conduct disorder mm-hmm. um, and transitioned to working with bullying research but how does bullying differ from other forms of aggressive behaviors? I think that's one thing I want to start off with so everybody can kind of start off on the same yeah. page.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, there's the classic definition that bullying is a intentional mean behavior, it's repeated, and there's a power imbalance. And I think that's the really critical differential factor is the power imbalance. And so, you know, when, when people are aggressive, there might not be a power imbalance. You know, you could have two kids fighting or two people fighting, and they're of equal power. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, in bullying, the really key piece is that power differential, that people who are being bullied have a hard time defending themselves, you know, for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, one question I had, um, and this comes up pretty frequently, I feel like, in the work that we do, where if it's a, a kid we're working with or their parent, where they they have like these attitudes that just kind of minimize the impact of bullying, where they don't think it's a big deal, or they might even think it's a good thing. Um, Makes I, them tougher. Yeah, I was at APA recently giving a talk, and I had you know that that one conference guy that comes up and drills you with questions, and he was very much in the camp of like, I think bullying's a good thing, and I think it does toughen kids up, and you know gives strengthens the wimpy kids, but how do we talk about bullying or how do we get buy-in for those people who might think it's not a big deal
2: yeah and again i think that's where we go back to the power you know imbalance and the and i think that's really you know uniquely related to the mental health problems that people involved in bullying have so when somebody says well it's a good thing it just toughens up people then i think our argument is well, no, it actually has some serious mental health consequences in terms of depression, anxiety, you know, relationship difficulties. I mean, we just know now from 40 years of research that there are really negative consequences of involvement in bullying across the continuum, you know, from perpetrating bullying to, you know, being victimized to observing bullying, that, you know, there's some clear mental health difficulties. So what I would have said to that conference goer at the American Psychological Association (laughs) was, hey, you know, we know there are documented mental health consequences. And so it really is important that we, you know, ultimately prevent bullying from happening in the first place. But when it happens, you know, intervening effectively. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I was thinking about something we had talked about in our research lab recently about how bullying is identified as a factor within, I think, that's the adverse childhood experiences, the ACEs.
2: Yeah, ACEs, adverse childhood experiences.
0: Yeah, so it's like, it's well documented now that these have long-lasting impact on children into adulthood. And, you know, it, it transforms into something else. What it is exactly, I mean, I think there's going to be more research coming out soon and in the years to come. But... We do know that, and it kind of sounds kind of silly to say this, but bullying is bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's the campaign slogan. Yeah, that's, bullying, that's it. Bullying is bad. Yeah. What are you going to say, right? But one thing you also said right now um, that I kind of want to touch on was the bully continuum. Because mm-hmm. you mentioned, you know, bullying is such unique um, behavior where there's not necessarily a fixed role. And I'll let you talk more about this, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, the question would be like, if you're a bully, are you always a bully, or are there multiple roles you can be on or be in?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, and I, we know that from the research that bullying is a is a experience or a problem that we really have to look at longitudinally, so that over time, you know, one individual can be involved in bullying as a bully perpetrator, as a, a victim, as a bystander. Maybe they're in all three roles simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe, you know, they get into high school, and then they're not involved in bullying anymore. So, you know, it's it's a dynamic experience that unfolds over the course of, you know, really one's lifespan. I mean, I'm intrigued by, you know, thinking about bullying that happens in the workplace, or, you know, people are start, starting to study bullying in retirement communities. Hmm. Yeah. And so I say, you know, bullying is an equal opportunity to be equal opportunity behavior. It doesn't matter what age you are, um, what gender you are, you know, it just, it can happen. Yeah,
1: yeah I one question that came up when you were just uh, saying that was thinking about mental health consequences. Um, are there differences when you have those different roles or when roles kind of cross over, like someone who maybe has a history of being a, a target of bullying and then now is perpetrating themselves Do those mental health consequences look different for different roles?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, in general, and you guys know from the research that we do in our lab, that, you know, people who are bullied, you know, tend to have higher levels of anxiety. And that makes sense. You know, if you're worried that, you know, someone's going to, you know, bully you and you're going to be targeted, then you're more likely, you know, to feel anxious about that. Um, You know, interestingly, we found that some kids who bully others have high levels of depression. And so, uh, you know, I think there's some interesting differences in terms of, you know, involvement in bullying. And then, you know, we've also found that when you're involved in bullying in multiple roles, so there's this additive effect, that your mental health consequences or outcomes are worse. And so for kids who are bully, perpetrators, victims, bystanders, there's, you know, this additive effect where the mental health consequences are more dire for those individuals.
0: You've done a lot of research with bullying, and I mean, I always just use like kind of the, like the fountain of just like knowledge is coming out. I'm like Sue always has a cool perspective on something um, bully related, right? With the research, and one question that I've always wondered—this is more for me—is—is mm-hmm. is there anything that you've learned that kind of caught you off guard or surprised you from the research that you've done?
2: Well, you know that graphic that I always show, where you've got—it's the picture of the bully a you know, person with the muscles in the thinking bubble mm-hmm. In the in the thinking bubble the person or the kid wrote, mm-hmm. I'm being bullied so I'll bully him mm-hmm. So early on in my career I thought you know we could you know really capture that kind of sense of empathy right like if we can get those kids to realize, wow, it really feels terrible when you're being bullied so then you shouldn't bully mm-hmm. and and what I learned was that, no, they don't care, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it doesn't. It doesn't work that way, yeah, yeah. right? That it's more, um, you know, I'm being bullied, so I'm going to bully you, and that's my justification. Mm-hmm. Not that, wow, I know how bad it feels, so I'm not going to do it. I was ready for this to go the other way.
1: No, but uh, <laughs> I would think it does highlight that it is a very complex problem, and you mm-hmm. do have to, I think, get a little creative with how you approach it, yeah. especially in. More individualized intervention work that we do.
0: I think Mm -hmm. this is a perfect segue to kind of stuff that we do in our lab. But how have you kind of addressed bullying, especially at that individualized, maybe at a more tier three, high intensive instruction for people who are bullying or perpetrating bullying?
2: Yeah. Well, as you guys know, we I developed the Target Bullying Intervention Program, working with bully perpetrators one on one, and there's a lot of compelling reasons to do that. Uh, one, there's research that shows when you put aggressive kids together, they just kind of learn new ways to be aggressive mm-hmm. and that, it, you know, groups for kids who are aggressive uh, don't actually help kids change their behavior. So while individual interventions, you know, are, are more expensive, I think it's it's actually for aggressive kids and for kids who are involved in bullying, it really is the best um, type of intervention. So like you mentioned, a tier three intervention and a positive behavior intervention support kind of model. Um, so, you know, I think the battle is getting people to realize or to, to getting school administrators to say, hey, we're going to buy into this mm-hmm. intervention that, you know, takes some time. But, um, you know, I think it's, as we know from our research, uh, you know, is, is more effective.
0: And highlighting the local um, aspect of this show, too, and the mission for KZUM in our podcast, Um one thing that the uh, TBIP does is we are currently in, across LPS schools, right? All, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that, so think, it's
2: an intervention that any kid in any Lincoln school can have access to for free. Yeah. So it's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, we talk about that too, just the cost of what the T-BIP would cost. if you did, If you went to a licensed psychologist and they put in the amount of hours that we put into this intervention per child, per case, it's extensive it's a lot of- yeah i actually
2: never really thought about that you know yeah. but mm-hmm. it's probably like at least twelve hundred dollars per kid yeah that we so we give this service for free mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah and i think one of my favorite parts about the the program and the work that we do is you know we hear a lot about how there's shortages of mental health professionals in school and and resources and i think something that is really important for us is we kind of serve as a, a bridge to More resources or, you know, in the recommendations we give connecting students and families to things that have probably been in in the community or in their school that just hasn't been accessed yet for whatever reason. And I think, you know, getting all those stakeholders in a room together and really talking about what's going on and how we can help. uh, It's a really life-changing
0: conversation. Yeah. I mean, this mm-hmm. intervention is now being picked up across Nebraska currently, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The uh, Nebraska Department of Education. Yeah, so
2: I'm doing trainings through the Nebraska Department of Ed. In fact, our next one is October 21st, I think, awesome. in Kearney.
0: That's awesome. So I think that's actually really great for, again, this is a very unique, one-of-a-kind intervention um, for this certain population. But how do people who aren't in Nebraska I'm thinking more about a case where I saw from my hometown recently where a girl got bullied or was reported to be bullied and she got beat up on, you know, on her... She got beat up at school. It was on Snapchat or one of those Instagram, you know. Mm -hmm. Everybody films things. Mm -hmm. They're not intervening. It's a whole bystander effect, right? But now we've got cameras. Mm -hmm. So what would you recommend to a parent who, on both sides maybe, how to intervene or maybe the school, what would be?
2: You mean just... Across the country? or Yeah,
0: maybe somebody who doesn't have access who's like, I have no clue what to do. My kid's being bullied or my kid is perpetrating bullying. What what do we do?
2: Yeah, I mean, I always say to parents the first step is just to actually look at the school policies. (laughs) So look at the policies and procedures of their particular school, the school district, um, see what's in place already, um, and then be an advocate. I mean, I think, you know, if you think about movements that start across the country, a lot of times it's people who have had – you know, a a kid who's involved in bullying, or you think about, you know, who are the biggest advocates for kids with autism? It's typically parents (laughs) who have, you know, a child with autism. Um, And so, you know, parents, you know, really can advocate for, you know, their kids. And there's a lot of evidence-based interventions out there. And um, so it's important that then parents know what's available, and then advocate for best practices um, in their school. And I think the reality now is that because so many school districts have been sued across the country that you know this is not an issue where i think cody you mentioned earlier it's kind of like oh boys will be boys bullying toughens people up mm-hmm. um you know people can't have that attitude anymore right. you know if you know one morally it's not the right attitude to have but also just legally um it's it's a real mistake to have that attitude
1: yeah yeah i think um one of the challenges that i've seen more recently is you know as younger and younger students have greater access to technology and social media and the the emergence of more cyberbullying because of that i think that's an added challenge too because you know at least if it's happening in the school there's a chance that an adult might see it or another kid will report it but when it's happening online those safeguards aren't there and so when you do have a crossover of you know being targeted at school and then being targeted on Snapchat or Instagram, it just has a, a really a, a huge additive effect with, I think, more negative consequences that I feel like we're still trying to figure out how to address that.
0: Yeah. I gave a talk, I want to say it was last year. It was for paraeducators in Nebraska. And um, one thing was asked, like, what do we do if we see bullying? How do we handle it? Because, I mean, there's so many things that you could do to intervene. But what's the right thing to do? And I say, you know, get to know the kids. Identify who they are. Um, If you get to know their patterns of behavior, talk to them. You know, you really want to build that rapport. But then if something is occurring, find a counselor, report it, or find a school psychologist. Find someone who can, who maybe has a little bit more training to go and, and who's there in place to help out with those children too, right? I mean, especially if there is already some sort of behaviors occurring on school systems. And there's people there to help intervene. But having those eyes and not being like a passive bystander, but really trying to help out and make things better and being there for the kids. You know, I think there are, when I think about people who say boys will be boys or, you know, that's just kind of a mean girls thing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things that would come with development, uh, development, uh, that are de- developmentally appropriate, but those aren't some of the things. And I think that's where we can go and help kids progress into, um, finding more pro-social behaviors and helping them work, they do need our help, but, but also they need adults' help in that process too. Yeah,
2: And I think it's important to, you know, share that not all mean behavior is bullying, right? right. I mean, the fact of the matter is there are some just mean people mm-hmm. and there's mean kids. And so what I used to always tell our daughters when someone was not being nice to them was, well, why do you want to be friends with someone who's mean? Mm-hmm. You know, surround yourself with people who are affirming and who lift you up and, you know, try to avoid mean negative people. And that's just true for all of us.
0: And that's a great I think another point where having those conversations with your children to be able to come to you when those things are happening mm-hmm. and having a real conversation, not just, Oh, stop it or or don't or don't do anything about it, you know, like see where they're at and if you're not there then I don't know, what do you do if you're a parent who doesn't know how to have that conversation too.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's tough. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, part of a job, you know, our job as parents is to have tough conversations with our kids and to, you know, have our kids feel like, you know, I can go talk to, you know, mom and dad about these things. Yeah. So I always, you know, encourage parents to try to create, you know, open dialogue and communication. And, you know, if you if your son or daughter feels like they can't talk to you, then, you know, they're going to go talk to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I always wanted our kids to come and talk to me um, and to try to be non-judgmental, which is one of the things I think is also great about the TBEP, is that it's a, you know, non-judgmental, solution focused intervention. And that's that's kind of how I've tried to parent, too.
1: yeah, you know, I think too, obviously i'm I'm not a parent, but um I think one thing that's really important is not to have that like initial knee-jerk reaction if your child comes to you and says, like, Oh, I'm being bullied at school because I think sometimes parents confuse like, you know, they're trying to help from a good place, but they might end up doing things like, you know, if a student was being bullied on Instagram, well, they're going to take away their phone because then they're not going to be bullied because they don't have access to the the like the source where it's coming from. But I think that kind of first reaction when a child does come to you to disclose something like that is really important for setting Kind of the stage and the boundary and establishing that open line of communication. And I think it's harder if you don't start with that and then try and build it in later on. I think just being aware of how you react and interact with your kids when those disclosures do come up is, is really important.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, I want to kind of maybe zoom out a little bit. Um, so we've talked a lot about research and the work that we're doing, both in interventions and in the in the lab that we have. Um, but I, you know, knowing that we're starting this kind of spotlight series, I thought it would be interesting to have just a conversation about science and about research and what it is and what, you know, we, we throw around like translational research a lot. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, you know, starting there to, to finish up the rest of this episode, kind of what we think about... Translational research. So, Dr. Sue, could you give us your take on what translational research is all about?
2: Sure. So, I think you know, it kind of came about, you know, this kind of term, translational research, in terms of, you know, a lot of science gets done, obviously, um, but if it doesn't have practical impact or it actually changes how people do things, you know, on the ground or in schools. Then you know what does it matter? So you know we know you know however, however many people read a academic journal article, right. uh, which is you know maybe a handful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, and so how do we get that inform? How do we get science out to the lay public um, so that then people can make decisions that are you know rooted in you know evidence and and science and so. To me, you know, the research that I do on bullying, what does it matter if it doesn't actually change practices in schools um, and in communities?
0: Well, you also mentioned this in lab, but just uh, can you talk to us about the importance of giving back, researchers giving back to their community?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's a, a really important part of our role as university, you know, faculty and graduate students is that we give back to the community. And so we do a lot of talks about bullying not only in Lincoln, but across the state of Nebraska, across the U.S., and, um, you know, sharing that information is important because ultimately, you know, what we want to do as psychologists is help people, you know, change, you know, their behaviors that are problematic, and certainly bullying is a problematic behavior, and so we want to help people, um, you know, kind of think about how to, how are they going to, you know, change those dynamics and interactions. Yeah,
0: so one thing you did was recently, no, it wasn't recently, it was back in I think 2011 was the, is that when you, I have no idea. Right. Well, no, yeah. <laughs> sorry. pop quiz time. Pop now. quiz time. No, what did you do in 2011? <laughs> yeah. Where start. were you? Where were you? <laughs> no, but you had a really cool uh, opportunity to, uh, partner up with Lady Gaga's Born This Way Foundation. Yeah, absolutely. That's where I was going with that. Sorry. Okay, yeah, I was so trying to transition. That <laughs> took into, yeah. a long journey yeah. to get there. Oh boy. <laughs> where was I? Yeah. <laughs> Thought I get there sooner My yeah. bad.
2: <laughs> well, and again, you know, more, you know, credit to her in terms of wanting to have um, you know, her foundation have uh, you know, researchers who were, you know, advising her in terms of her early work and mm-hmm. You know, bullying prevention and intervention. And then also, you know, kind of, you know, the big kind of theme of the uh, Born This Way Foundation is reducing the stigma around mental illness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so she's, you know, surrounds herself with, uh, you know, with people who can advise her. So that's terrific. Yeah. Plus she's super smart.
1: Yeah. 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 I think, you know, it's, I feel like when that was happening, I, th- I feel like, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the foundation kind of starting where they're actually doing and funding research versus like other like kind of nonprofit things might be you know putting out like some headline things but they were actually like kind of from the from the ground floor funding research that's really important about mental health that um, you know Raul was also a little bit involved with um, and I think it's I think they kind of started a trend where you know these big organizations have a lot of power and have a lot of say. And I mean, my God, Lady Gaga probably has like a billion Instagram followers. So it's insane. Like we talk about giving back to the community and connecting with people. Mm -hmm. What what better way to do that than with the power of celebrity? And I think oftentimes it gets a it gets a bad rap, especially when you have, you know, people like first one that comes to mind is Jenny McCarthy, just for her kind of anti-vaccination stance. Um, which is like the the downside, the negative side of the power. Sorry, of Jenny, I still love you, but yeah. But uh... see, well, that was
0: one of my favorite shows growing up.
1: But you know, I think it's it's really important that even even companies, organizations, nonprofits realize the power they have to right. have these conversations and have the research and connect it with an audience that needs well, it. Well,
0: the platform matters, right? You do yeah. have a platform, you do have a voice, and people do listen. I think one thing that I was, I mean, working with the foundation, with Sue being one of the project directors, and she was able to let me help with that. Um, it was just really great to see the messaging of, you know, I was born this way. And, and you saw a lot of people in terms of the data sets over mm-hmm. the, the three data sets that we collected. Um, it's a very diverse sample of, of kids who just want to be heard. Mm-hmm. Right. And being able to have that access, and, then, and to work with that data set, it's been amazing. And, you know, we have so much data now.
2: Oh, I know. I know. We have, we really, we need to publish more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, we're working yeah. on it. We got some, some young. We got some stuff in the pipeline. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. But one thing too is that, you know, to, to the, I think to the foundation's credit they want to put things out, but research takes a long time.
2: Yeah. Research does take time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I do think that, you know, again, you know, I think Born This Way Foundation is really unique in the sense of their commitment to uh, research best practices you know they're working with National Council for Behavioral Health, and they're developing teen mental health first aid. And so I think the mark that they're making in the mental health and mental wellness space is really unparalleled, frankly.
1: Yeah, I remember. Um, we'll have to post the picture whenever we were at uh, the Gaga concert. Yeah, that was um, that was two years ago, about yeah yeah yeah. So oh yeah,
2: we should. That was yeah. in Did, Omaha.
1: It was yeah, and it was by far the best concert I've. Ever been to? I have my longest beard there too. You I have do, yeah. oh, you had beard. Yeah. Beard. that was a four month beard. Yeah. Right it there. was. Yeah. yeah, you're a grizzly bear with that beard. Um, <laughs> bear but... I don't know. That's not a grizzly. bear.
2: But yeah, we should definitely post yeah. that.
1: Yeah. So we'll post that picture whenever this episode airs. But um,
0: one thing that I also just... I want to say, who was my plus one? Uh, I mean, is it even a question? Cody. Yeah Cody was my plus one. Yeah. I could take anybody in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I took you, even, made, you made the right choice. I, I think I did. You yeah. chose wisely. Yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> As Indiana Jones. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it belongs in a museum. <laughs> um, I saw that actually earlier today. Anyway. Um, got off track. That's um, fine. So it's fine. We, the reason that we, you know, got some tickets to go is we also uh, supported the foundation. They had a booth there about the work that they were doing and, you know, youth mental health resources, both with Omaha nonprofits there. And then I think one thing that stood out for me is the amount of people who not only like knew about the foundation that were Gaga fans just going to the concert, but the amount of diverse people there who were coming up just wanting to know more about what the research is. And I think, you know, going beyond like what you would have on like an infographic, they actually are interested in the research and where it's coming from and... I think it was really a really kind of motivating experience to see that, you know, the people who this information is intended to be translated to are really interested in that work. And I just think, you know, that was a, a really cool experience yeah. to have.
2: I mean to me it's like the like the epic, you know, experience of translational research, right? I mean, so academics talk a lot about translational research, but I think our work with Born This Way Foundation really I mean, talk about translational research, right? Yeah. I mean, if you've got somebody who's got, you know, over a billion followers, yeah. that's t- that's translating. Yeah. We talk
0: about the algae effect in our lab. Yeah. So the Lady Gaga effect, it would be the point where, you know, we'd be getting participants here and there from our different ways of recruiting, but algae puts out a, a post or a tweet or something, and overnight, just boom. it's just it's like boom. a thousand percentage yeah. and are, <laughs> increase. And those, and those are just voices that are helping us make more informed yeah. decisions and, and better research in yeah. terms of the access we have so it's really great yeah
1: yeah and I think too something I've seen not from the people we work with but from other researchers at other institutions is that it's really easy to kind of silo yourself and you're kind of in just like a feedback loop of you know you're producing you know you're getting in that journal you're you're getting some accolades but you're not really getting that information to anyone and I think you know even like what we're doing with the podcast and doing these talks like everything we obviously aren't a celebrity like gaga status but any way that you can connect with people Mm -hmm. is going to be really important and i am very thankful to be at an institution and with you all and with uh, the other researchers in our lab that really value that as a service
2: Definitely. yeah absolutely i mean in many respects academia kind of breeds this I don't know, non-translational, you know, kind of aspect to people's work, that they tend to be very isolated and, Mm -hmm. you know, focused on, you know, publish or perish. And, you know, their work doesn't necessarily impact the lives of people. And so, you know, I feel grateful to be at, you know, the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, where they do value service and outreach. And, you know, as a faculty member, I have an apportionment. Part of my, you know, job is outreach. And so I think, you know, hopefully this is something, a trend that's going to ha- you know, kind of, you know, spread across universities across the United States that, you know, part of your job, particularly a public institution where, you know, our salaries are paid for by, you know, taxpayer dollars and the legislature uh, and tuition. Um, but, you know, we serve our community. And so I think that's really important and that should be rewarded. Yeah, Definitely.
1: yeah I saw um, I follow a lot of researchers and psychologists on Twitter and probably in the last three or four years I've seen a big wave of like just conferences and work done about science communication and how you know it's really I think I've seen even in other podcast where people who are like us who are maybe grad students or are psychologists neuroscientists um, there's one that I'm thinking of in particular that I won't name drop but that they talk about the science in a way that only their colleagues can understand. Hmm. And so it's at this level that's just not accessible at all by like anyone except for maybe five people. And I think it is, we have to recognize, especially for grad students and in our grad training that science communication is a skill that you have to develop, you have to practice it. You know, I think one thing you've always advocated to us being in your lab and being our advisor is, you know, just go out there, do mm-hmm. the talk to the PTO organization that, you know, you might not feel comfortable doing, but, you know, just getting that experience of communicating that information, I think is really important to prevent getting into that kind of box where you're only listening to, you know, that that silo where you're not connecting with people. I mean,
0: I think that's a big reason why cycle babble even's like able to be created and because we had that support from you and we had that that encouragement to go out there and find a voice and and use your voice. And I I love that we say to underqualified PhD students, even though we're not completely (laughs) underqualified. We know some things. We know some things, you know, but we're still learning and it's really important that we use that voice from what we're learning and we start again focusing on that translational piece. Yeah.
2: As you guys are talking, I'm thinking who's the original translational science guy? Bill Nye. Was it Bill Nye? Right? Yeah. I mean, he really was, like, in terms of bringing science knowledge to kids.
0: Yeah. Which is the ultimate level of translation. Absolutely. I was thinking, like, Fred Rogers, but that's more social-emotional stuff, and I don't know how much much you did that, too. Oh, you know,
2: a little fun fact about me. Fred Rogers was a family friend. Was he really? He was. Wow. I walked on the would set. You be, would you on be his the, neighbor? I would be his neighbor. <laughs> I walked on the set of uh, neighbor, uh, the uh, make believe neighborhood. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what was it? What was it called? Oof. Oh okay. God. Well, yeah. Neighborhood of yeah. make believe. I mean, anyway, yeah. I met Lady Lane. You know. And he and did you know he did all the uh, puppet the voices? voices. Yeah. Oh. yeah, he was incredibly did talented.
0: That Tom, did that Tom Hanks movie come out already? I think it's about to. No, it's
2: about to. It's this fall. I really want to see oh, it. Oh, yeah. that's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Neighborhood of Make-Believe is what is. it
0: was called. Oh, I was going to look yeah. it up, but No. Oh.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, he did all the voices. King Friday. Yeah, wow. Yeah, he was amazing.
1: I so we're, we're one degree of separation away from... Fred Rogers.
2: From
0: Fred Rogers. There we go. Or at least the set.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He, he uh, one year for Christmas, gave us, like, all his albums. Wow. What? Yeah, yeah. How did that happen? Vinyl. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what's what's a vinyl? Well, yeah, no. An
0: A track? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, well, I mean, we've been talking about things that you've passed on to us a little bit through, like, the importance of translational research and giving back to your community. But over the length of your career... Um, there are many words of wisdom that you could probably give. But what would you tell yourself, like uh, the younger Dr. Susan where mm. coming right out? I like right that. Out. I like that question. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's, we have a lot of grad friends who listen to this, too. Yeah. So, you know, and we're lucky we have a great mentor who's, you know.
2: Yeah, you know, I had a really good mentor in grad school, too, you know. Who was Dr., that? Dr. Yeah. Kevin Stark. Yeah, yeah you can make shout, shout, out. Shout, shout out. Shout out. Shout out. Kevin Stark. A, Stark academic academic father. Your father. <laughs> yep, academic your, grandpa. Yep. Uh, he, who was super, always very supportive, you know, um, you know, I don't know what I would have told my younger self. I mean, I never, you guys know the story. I never wanted to be a professor. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess, you know, partly, you know, how I got into the, you know, studying bullying was just by saying yes. Um, so maybe I would tell my younger, I don't know. I was gonna say I tell my younger self to say no more. You know, I have that no button that my mother gave me. No ma. Uh, <laughs> but you know, saying yes opens doors. Yeah. Um so you know, I think I think as an academic and certainly as a parent, you know, so you know, my first year at Nebraska I got pregnant with Catherine and mm-hmm. juggling, you know, raising a child, two two careers, you know, getting tenure, you know. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I probably would tell my younger self to, you know, go to the gym more. I, in fact, that's advice I'd tell myself, right, like, right now. Um, <laughs> Get to the gym more.
0: Are you going to be running the Good Life half-sea? Uh
2: My training's been
0: – yeah, <laughs> Yeah,
2: I don't know. Uh, I, we'll see. I,
0: I heard a quote recently that,
1: like, my, my life for, like, the past couple of weeks has been pretty crazy with uh, – we were selling our house, trying to move to a new house, school was starting, it was just – It was a a very crazy period of time and I felt really stressed and like, I couldn't really identify why, because it, there was a lot going on, but it wasn't like I was exhausted from doing all this work. And like, you know, I realized in that span of time, like I wasn't like exercising or even walking, walking the dogs. And I, I can't remember who, if I saw it on Twitter from someone or not, but they said idle time is work time. Like when you're not doing work, hmm. you're still doing work because you're taking care of yourself. And if you don't, you know, if you don't do that self-care, if you don't have time to, to relax and rest, you're not going to be effective when you try to go back to work and pick back up where you left off. And so I really took that to heart. And I think it's really important. Yeah. Finding ways to.
2: Yeah. So even if it's like 15 minutes, you know, it, yeah. walk the dog for 15 minutes or something. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's probably the advice I'd give my younger self: is do a better job with self care.
0: Awesome. So we want to start a new segment with the spotlight. What are we calling this, Cody?
1: Um. Ooh. Put me on the spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've done like you know what's making you happy this week. We, if you are a long-term babbler, you know that we had the mythical top hat briefly uh, from season one. So when we come back from a short break. We'll have a name for the segment and a couple of interesting conversations. Stay tuned. All right, thanks for sticking with us past the break. So we do have a name for that
0: segment now. We do, it was total organically it It was very organic we
1: brainstormed we came up with a little rhyming scheme so the new favorite segment of the show that we can do for all of our spotlight series is what about you a week in review there we go so we've got three questions that we're gonna go through here and learn a little bit more about our special guest and even maybe a little bit about ourselves. <laughs> it's going to be a, like, I want to put like the, the gif of like the more, you know, with, yeah. the, with the rainbow.
0: That's NBC. Also yeah. Stuff,
1: yeah. Or like the star that isn't it? A star that goes across. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the more, you know. Um, so we are talking now about what are you listening, watching
0: or reading or all three, all three. So, hmm. so let's do, I thought we we're gonna do three. We so. are. Yeah. So let's do the first one. Um, what are you listening to, Sue?
2: Hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're putting you on the spot yeah, now. We yeah. Are.
2: So I just I have random music tastes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So kind of whatever's on the radio. We I know t- that's really boring.
0: Yeah, we talked about every time we if we like take like a trip to like an event together, um, you usually have your your satellite radio on 80s on 8.
2: I do do 80s on 8, and then my big channel when I drive to Colorado is Grateful Dead. Ooh. Yeah, channel Ooh. 23. Just
1: for Colorado?
2: Yeah, there's something about driving up to Colorado <laughs> and listening to the Grateful yeah. Dead that, yeah. you know.
0: To get that Cherry Garcia par- uh, pint of, yeah. uh, what is it? The ice cream? Yeah, ben, ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's. Cherry Garcia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough.
2: So I would say definitely, like, classic rock. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cody, what about
1: you? Um, hmm, I think, um, I mean, this is going to be pandering to a lot of people that listen to this show, which is fine, because that's what I'm here for. Um, I recently went to a Lizzo concert that was in Omaha. So I think just carrying over how amazing that concert was and just how awesome her message is. Um, you know, listening to more of her, her other songs that haven't been on the radio Um That's what I'm listening to this week.
0: What is her overall message? Like body positivity? Yeah, body positivity
1: and just, you know, loving yourself and, you know, loving what makes you different or what makes you unique. Very, like, in the mold of Lady Gaga as well. Just a very positive message that she puts out into the world. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm. And her voice is amazing. Oh, Have you heard Lizzo? I have, yeah.
2: Yeah. I think now I'm motivated to listen to more. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is actually a really good point, or... In the segment to talk about the podcast idea we had, not the podcast idea because that's Psychobabble, the playlist.
1: Oh yeah, remember?
0: Yeah. So Do, Cody you and like I were to yeah. plug that now. Cody and I were talking about, you know, we hear a lot of music, and this is something that maybe Sue can give us a song that we can throw on too. I think you mentioned Pat Benatar earlier, but like <laughs> a song that we can get and we can add to this like Psychobabble, pod, uh, the, well, the Psychobabble playlist off of Spotify that we can create if people can just listen to it yeah nice and if, and if people if our babblers want to throw something in there too they can totally do it like a co- uh, collaborative list yeah yeah,
1: yeah. so I uh, will post the the link to that podcast playlist and then you know add to each time we have somebody on each you know spotlight or each guest we have um, you know whatever they're listening to we will we'll throw a little flavor into the podcast yeah, playlist. So. yeah
0: that'd be kind of cool yeah or are you gonna ask me what I'm listening yeah. to
1: yeah what are you listening to yeah
0: want to make sure you're going to ask me, include me. No, no, we won't. Because we're all about out. it. We're all about we're it. We're not including excluding you. you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, so I created a playlist the other day. Um, and one song that's really been like, I've been putting on repeat is a song by a band called Camp, C-A-A-M-P, and it's called All the Debts I Own. And it seriously just hits me every time. It's such a cool song. So mm-hmm. we'll definitely <laughs> put that one on. No, it's really cool. And they're actually going to be playing in Omaha. November 12th, I think. So, and I think the ticket's like 20 bucks. So, I'm definitely going to try and make it out there with a friend.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Babbler's, go check it out.
0: Yeah, good stuff.
1: All right. So, now we've got, what are you watching?
0: Ooh, I can start off on this one.
1: We don't have enough time to cover, like, the 25 shows that I have ongoing. Oh, but I we'll mean, have to pick you, what did I pick?
0: Do I pick, like, Schitt's Creek? Did yeah. I pick? no. I'm actually watching um, DC Universe Titans. Season 2 came out, so I've been, like... Trying to watch that, but I watch it like late at night, so every time I fall asleep on the couch watching it. It's just like so redoing it. I've seen, <laughs> yeah. I think, the first like 30 minutes of each episode at least four times. All right. Yeah.
1: Well, Dr. Sue, what about you?
2: Well, again, I feel like I'm like totally lame. I don't watch a lot of TV, <laughs> but so when Alex is watching a show, typically on Netflix, I'll kind of go in and out of the living room and then maybe watch, you know, some. But one show that she's been rewatching that I love is Psych. Oh, oh yeah, that, that's just isn't so that so good. awesome? Yeah. So yeah. So is that cold, she,
0: cold reading, or what does he do? He just like has like this photographic he's like, memory. like, he, well,
2: he's like, yeah, he's got a photographic oh. memory. His dad's like that Corbin Benson, or, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. And then he he was a cop, and you know, taught his kid just. I mean, he's basically just observant, but he's mm-hmm. like fakes so that he's psychic. Yeah. So yeah.
1: All right. Um, Oh, narrowing it down to one. Um, I think I'll go with uh, Shit's Creek. I think that is a recommendation I've given to like almost everyone that I know if they haven't seen it yet. Um, it's on Netflix and season six is about to come out and it's the, the final season. But it is an incredible show, again, with an awesome message and... Uh, I think it's by far the best writing, comedy writing of any show I've ever seen. So, I want to see that. Yeah, I.
2: You know what else? Recommend. You know, an, an, a show that I watched and then they're going to have a new episode is Grace and Frankie.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So
2: I'm, you know, that's good. So I'm excited about that. Yeah.
0: And then I think you're in a book club, right?
2: I am in a book club.
0: So this one should be easier than the past. Absolutely. Seasons. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I have to think about
0: what I'm I reading. I can tell you exactly what I'm reading because okay. I'm
2: reading it for book club and I have to finish it by tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Where the Crawdads Sing. Uh,
0: What's that I've about? S- I've
1: seen the...
2: Yeah, it's good. It's, it's about this uh, family in the South and it is basically her mother walks out. All of her siblings walk out. She's left with this abusive father and then I think he dies. I don't know. I better buff up on that before discussion tomorrow. Um, This will be posted after discussion, (laughs) so they won't know. So anyway, she's basically lives on her own. She doesn't go to school, and um, so yeah, it's kind of about her life. It's very interesting, you know, kind of issues of poverty and um, and abuse and neglect. Yeah. Resilience. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Well, that's probably much more profound than any answer that we'll have for what we're reading well I have something I'm not reading anything like other than like research stuff but I do have a book I want to read can I Can I add that yeah Accounts. counts gonna, yeah. yeah I'm going to hold myself accountable because actually this uh, this author was one of my professors at the University of Texas El Paso um, he's since I believe retired but he's still writing he's a fantastic writer his name's uh, Benjamin Allaire Signs and the book that I want to read it's a he writes a lot of like poetry this one's a um, young adult literature, but it's Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe. Oh, Yeah, and that's actually something that I want to hopefully get the university to kind of spotlight him and bring him in. We were in talks mm-hmm. about doing it last year. Um, and um, I think hopefully it's still in the works, but I can read a little synopsis of it because I actually haven't read it. So, But this Prince honor book is a tender, honest exploration of identity that distills lyrical truth about family and friendship. I believe it's also kind of like set in like El Paso area, Mm. or kind of that desert feel to it, um, like in the Chihuahua desert. I may be completely wrong. So Ben, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, But it goes, Aristotle is an angry teen with a brother in prison. Dante is a well, Dante is a know-it-all who has an unusual way of looking at the world. When the two meet at the swimming pool, they seem to have nothing in common. But as the loners start spending time together, they discover that they share a special friendship, the kind that changes lives and lasts a lifetime. And it's through this friendship that Adi and Dante will learn the most important truths about themselves and the kind of people they want to be. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, it's going to be pretty good, I think. So it's got a lot of awards, too. And I think they're going to make it into movies soon, so.
2: Oh, cool. Yeah.
0: All right, did I give you enough All time? All right, you did, yeah. Yeah, it was just <laughs> I was just... I was just trying to give you some time, man. Yeah,
1: so I do have uh, two e-books that have been sitting on my e-bookshelf for a while um, that I do want to get to sometime, like... In the academic year, so the first one is called "Being Wrong," um, and it's like the subtitle "Adventures in the Margin of Error," written by Catherine Scholz, if I pronounce that right. And it's all about like how important it is not only to recognize that it's okay to be wrong and to fail, but how you can grow from it and how you can use it to, you know, motivate change in your life. And you know, a lot about this, even science behind why we don't like being wrong. And um, I think it's a really cool, like, a self-help book that has more, like, science backing it and more, like, you know, very practical applied things.
2: I think that should be required reading for all grad students. Yeah.
1: I, <laughs> I, and the next one I think should be, too. Um, so it's called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. Uh, it's written by Lori Gottlieb, who is a, a therapist. And the whole book is about, like, her journey as a therapist, learning how to do therapy, and then she ends up in therapy herself and just kind Hmm. of talking through like that relationship as a therapist, like getting therapy and like her journey as a graduate student and, you know, what she's learned about herself through Hmm. receiving mental health services that I think would be really beneficial for people to read. That's great. That
2: book sounds great. Yeah. Maybe SASP should do like a a book list or a reading. Yeah, that would be. You know? I I, I mean, both of those books, I think, would be really awesome for everyone to read.
0: Talk to uh, the social chair or something. Maybe they could get into the president or the vice president. Yeah, we'll talk to the social chair, see what. That's Cody, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say, aren't you the social chair? I'll talk to myself. (laughs) Yeah, well, we still got to set up the tailgates (laughs) and stuff for this Ohio State game coming up. mm. I know, that's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's great. Do you want to do the what's good this weekend? Wrap this up. Yeah. That'd yeah. Really I think,
1: you know, we have talked through a lot of awesome, very important things. We even got to talk about our Lady Gaga concert, which I need to remember to post that picture. But mm-hmm. let's end with, you know, what's making us happy this week. And then maybe a little preview for the next episode.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a great one. But that's also probably can tie into what's happened this week. Yeah. That's really cool. So yeah. I'll let you talk about that. I've actually got a few things, so I'll give Sue some time to, like I like I supported you, like a wingman for you. Yeah, you you vamped a little bit. Yeah, I'm gonna let Sue think about what's going. on. I'm sure she's got good stuff too. Let me see, the Who Rays. I definitely want to highlight the Who Rays. It's my softball team. We went three and three. What's the name? The Who Rays. Who Rays? Like Hooray! It's H-O-O dash R-A-Y-S. Okay. There's like this really cool group of guys that think like they let me play on their softball team this summer. I play basketball with them and. You know that relationship happened all organic. Like, oh, we all play. So they've had this team for about five years, I think, and I've been able to pitch for them a couple times. But we beat the undefeated team. Hey, hey. hey. yeah, they were they were five and zero, and they like ten run everybody that they played. They won by ten, and so like they call the game off because like you guys are just getting slaughtered. But Gosh. we beat them 5-4, to four and I was pitching. Wow. wow! I got the last strike. I, yeah, it was that's like, clutch. cool. yeah, so that's good. Um, the coasters came in. Yes. I was very happy. More swag. We have more swag, yeah. <laughs> we have some sweet coasters that Sue's actually using right now for her drink. Um, and then also, this was totally spontaneous, and I wasn't expecting it all, but Sue brought us food today. She
2: did. Academic she mom, gifts.
0: she brought us gifts. She brought us food, and it happens to be brisket and it's marinated with my favorite brisket sauce she's laughing over here because so there's a whole actual little background story around this but it's called Claude's brisket sauce
1: not a sponsor not yet. a
0: sponsor yet but listen i'm from el paso Claude's. <laughs> yeah let's 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 do some work let's, let's talk about this let's yeah. talk i'll have our people call yeah contact your people yeah. but, your pr team yeah, yeah right the pr team yeah we'll get the legal team on it yeah. to see what that <laughs> yeah. looks like draft up the paperwork <laughs> <laughs> no but the Claude sauce um happened when i first came in my first year I think Catherine was graduating. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, I need, we're, we're having this co-graduation party with one of her friends and we're trying to make some food. And I'm like, oh, you should do brisket and Claude's brisket. And she's like, what? What's Claude's brisket? And I showed her this video that they have on YouTube. It's the best. It is hilarious in terms of how to prep it. And it's got like this old Texas accent. <laughs> I can't even do it because I don't have a Texas accent. That, right? was, that was a nice attempt. Well, it's that. like more of a yeah. white voice than I'm Mexican, so I can't do it. Sorry. But... Um, you, you've been using this since I came in the program. Know, what would I you know. do without me?
2: I, I don't know what I would do without <laughs> no. you. I definitely would have not been introduced to Claude's <laughs> brisket sauce.
0: So those are some, I think, some three highlights of my yeah. week. Yeah. Very good. Sue, do you have anything?
2: Well, I have to say, you know, we had our decade birthday party with for Scott and mm-hmm. our friend Mary, and so that was super fun. And I'm looking forward to the uh, Ohio State game mm-hmm. on Saturday and day. our tailgate.
1: Yeah, it'll be a big game. Yeah. Yep. College dad, game day is going to be there. Yeah. my uh, dad. At our tailgate, but...
0: My dad's going to be in town, so, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah shout yeah. out. College game day, that's big. Yeah. What
0: What do you do at college day? So I, I see people hold the signs, and they're going, but they just, like, stand outside while they're
2: recording, and you're like, yeah. Apparently you hold a sign up. Yeah, you, that's have to,
0: it? you have to come up with a clever
1: sign, and then you stand there for, I don't know, five hours. That sounds horrible. And get on TV.
0: I think it's great for people who want to do that. It's, like, a lot of, like you know, viewership for, like, LinkedIn yeah. and all that
2: stuff. Yeah, we'll but. be at our game yeah.
1: yeah. Well,
0: there was a, a recent
1: one. So they, were, game day was at the Iowa-Iowa State game, and there was a guy who had a sign that was, like, Venmo me for beer money, like, Venmo beer, beer money to me. And he had his Venmo account. And so he got, like, tens of thousands was, of dollars.
2: It was, I heard, $60,000. Yeah,
1: and then, you know, I think Bush Light threw in some money, too, and ended up donating it to... The, I think the children's hospital. The
2: children's hospital there, yeah. where the player, you know, the kids watch the game, yeah. you know? Yeah, so, so he donated the money, which is pretty cool. That yeah. is cool. Some
0: yeah. Good came I, out of it. I mean, he could have just gotten drunk he, forever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah.
1: Yeah. That's Pay cool. off of Some student loans. But yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, well, I think for me, what's making me happy this week is, um, like I said earlier, I'm almost done with moving, which is going to be great when that is no longer something on the back of my mind. Um, also, um, you know, the the very, very exciting first win of our soccer team happened three hours ago. Yeah, you had some sweet goals. So the, the yeah, the first win of the season got the W, so that's always a good feeling. Um, and then I feel like I need to get one more, but, you know, maybe just following what Dr. Sue said about um, some exciting tailgating coming up.
0: That's be awesome. Yeah. Great. One thing I want to do before we go is if people want to um, look at more of the research that we do in the Empowerment Initiative. Now, the, we call it Empowerment Initiative, but it's a Nebraska Bullying Prevention and Intervention Initiative. Um, I have the website here, so I'm just going to say it. Yeah, good. But it's uh, cehs.unl.edu dot dot slash empowerment. And you can see, what can they find on that website?
2: Yeah, all of our great researchers and our projects and Words of wisdom, mm-hmm. our blog that we need to, yeah, that's, uh, that's, you know, that's kind a, of bring back.
0: Our fancy headshots. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. This could be a fun blog.
2: Yeah. It could be.
0: Yeah. We'll get something together. We'll get the, the advertising team on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you know, if you are listening all the way up to this point, that you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. KZUM.org slash Psychobabble is our home base, but, um, you know, Spotify, Apple... Mm-hmm google really wherever um you know click subscribe write us a review if you feel so inclined yeah. um yeah and then also you know we're on facebook instagram twitter
0: We yeah. want to see some behind the scene content that yeah you can't see anywhere else yeah
1: also for that picture of the lady gaga concert so there we go uh, definitely check that out and then a special thank you to dr sue for joining us today on our first spotlight episode um, I'm sure we can hopefully convince you to come back. I want to have an episode Absolutely. with you and Scott. That yeah. would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Okay, we'll do it. Yeah. All right, well, until next time, Cheers.